0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. I didn't get to see how many people were here last night that are here today. And if you're in the chat room, just jump in and say, I was there, I was there. Been there, done it, bought the t-shirt. I I got to bed, I think I went to bed at like 2.30 a.m., and the alarm went off at 5.30 a.m., So this gathering is brought to you by the elixir of life, (laughs) coffee. (laughs) Hey, you notice we had a celebration. If you're brand new here, and we're so glad that you joined us today. We celebrated what God did in 2022, and I can't think of a better place or space to be to start a brand new year than to set our hearts, to set our minds, and to set our faith on the person of Jesus. We talked about last night that A vision for our church in 2023 was less what God was going to do through us, but what God wanted to do in us as a people. And we talked about these three things uh, that God wanted to do in us, the people that are part of One Church Teal, that you wanted to develop a deep hope, a deep hope in each of us, in a world that's struggling to find hope, people that have an endless source of hope, that we could find a stream of gratitude, and we're going to talk about that today and an unquenchable joy. Now hope, gratitude, and joy, why those three things? Those are precisely the things that the followers of Jesus remain grounded, they become grounded with it, and it's what makes our light shine in this world. People filled with hope and joy and gratitude despite the circumstances of life, how attractive that is and how resilient that builds us in our lives. Now we don't know what 2023 is gonna hold. Likely, there's going to be some surprises. Some of them, you're going to love. And some of them, not so much. It's the way life goes. There's going to be some hard moments. There's going to be some really pleasant moments. But we want to be a people that no matter what comes in 2023, our faith won't be shipwrecked. Won't be shook that way. Instead, we're anchored to an all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present creator of the universe. And his name is? Jesus. That's our deep hope. See, we're a people that are anchored to a person and a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, that person is Jesus, and that moment is his resurrection. That deep hope that we have is in the person of Jesus, the ever-dependable, ever-loving, ever-present Lord and Savior. And the resurrection, I love the resurrection, because it's a reminder, no matter what's coming at you or what you're experiencing, this is not all there is. The resurrection reminds us that there's always a comeback. There's always a comeback. See, last night we talked about how we can anchor our lives to these deep truths. I, I, I love it. We we talked about Hebrews chapter six, verse nineteen. Those of you who are here, you know the verse now. But the verse is simply this: Our hope is strong, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Now, I love that imagery. When I read that verse, I love that type of imagery. I'm an ocean kid. I born. I could see the ocean from the house that I was raised in. And every boat in the East Coast, and maybe where you've been, if you've ever been around water, every boat has similar things in it. Every boat in the East Coast has a little anchor in it. Small little boat on the ocean. You're just going around. You don't go too far out into the vast ocean. You need a bigger vessel. But all of them have an anchor. The anchor is for staying and not drifting. And all of them have a bucket. And the bucket is for bailing and staying afloat. And you need both. Now, kids, some of you received a kit on the way in here, and you're supposed to draw two pictures. And we have a little prize for you at the end of our gathering. Uh, and that's the anchor and the bucket. So you go ahead and you can draw that as you're, getting, as you're in this uh, gathering with us. The anchor keeps us moored and stable and keeps us safe. The bucket helps us to bail because inevitably every good boat gets water in it. It's normal. It's not, it's not uncommon. And your life is no different. The analogy is that your life is like a boat. And water comes over the gunnels of the boat. That's the sides of the boat. Just because the, when the waves get choppy, it's natural to get some water inside of it. When a boat gets old, it's natural for it to leak a little. And it leaks a little bit of water in it. Uh, you and I need a bailing bucket because life keeps coming at us, friends. And it's always trying to fill our life with, with fear and the cares and the anxieties and the temptations of this world and this life. And the bailing bucket for the believer is gratitude. What, what buoys us back up? What, what bails out all the stuff that's been accumulating to our souls? It's gratitude. Now, gratitude is tricky. And it's not as easy as we think it is. And it seems like a normal message for a New Year's Day. Let's start the day with gratitude, right? But it's much trickier than that, and it's much more powerful than it seems on the surface. It's essential. I'm going to give you three truths. We're not going to be long today. Uh, at the end of our gathering, we're going to say a benediction together. Our worship team's going to lead us in the final song as we kick into 2023. But... I'm going to give you three gratitude truths. And the first one is simply this. Gratitude is a natural response to a supernatural gift. Gratitude is a natural response to a supernatural gift. The great um, theologian and philosopher Thomas Burton, he said this. Gratitude is the heart of the Christian life. Gratitude is one of those great spiritual gauges in a Christian's life. As one pastor put it, It tells and determines and it helps us understand that we have been paying attention to the gifts we've received. Because we stop paying attention to the gifts we received. Gratitude's an indication. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, so then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you've anchored your life to Jesus, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. In other words, mature in Jesus. So we anchor our life to Jesus, but then there's further work to do. Uh, There's the act of sanctification, which is the ongoing work of maturation spiritually in our lives. And you'll spend your whole life maturing, won't you? You you know, uh, you've heard it said many times from this platform by Pastor Keith over the years that it's not how many years you have in the Christian faith. That doesn't mean you necessarily have matured in your faith. There's a process to that maturation process. Then he says this, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Can you say that with me? Overflowing with gratitude. Once you've anchored your life to the person of Jesus and you're maturing in your faith, one of the natural fruits of that is that you are overflowing with gratitude. Friends, what would it look like if we were a people that had an inexhaustible stream of gratitude in our life in this world? Now just pause and imagine what that would look like in the workplace. Imagine what that would look like in your home. Imagine what that would look like in your relationship. How attractive is a grateful person? A person with an inexhaustible extreme of gratitude. Now, that's not possible though, if you're living according to your circumstances, is it? Because there are some things in life you can't be thankful for. The loss of a loved one, oppression, abuse. There are many things you can't be thankful for, but gratitude is rooted in something that goes beyond good times and happiness. There's a Benedictine monk, his name is David Stengel Rast, I probably blew his name there. He said this, every human being has one thing in common, we all want to be happy. We all want to be happy. Many people believe that if you're happy, you'll be grateful. But think again, is it really the happy people who are grateful? We all know quite a number of people who have everything it would take to be happy, and they're not happy. And we all know people who have lots of misfortunes who are deeply happy. Why? Because they're grateful. So it is with happiness. So it is not happiness that makes us grateful. It is gratefulness that makes us happy. It's gratefulness that does that. Our gratitude is based, remember what Paul just said, our, ba- our gratitude is based on being rooted and built up in Jesus and established In the faith. See, our gratitude is not based on our circumstances around us. Our gratitude reaches way deeper to the anchor point of our faith and our being. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've received a supernatural gift. You have a supernatural gift, a gift that is so easy to take for granted, a gift that shrinks in significance when the storm waves grow in size. It's amazing how I can take so many good things for granted in my life. Why? See, the bailing bucket of our life, the one that you have in your boat, it leaks. You know, sometimes in life it leaks as we age. Have you noticed that? You know, sometimes as you age, you develop some holes. And you just begin to leak a little bit. Uh, Sometimes it's because we leak courage because, again, life, we've lived long enough to know life keeps coming at you. Just when you've got something settled, isn't it amazing? Something else comes. And so when you've lived a long life, sometimes you're mindful that, and you begin to leak. You leak this courage. We leak faith sometimes as we age. Sometimes we've been there, done it all, heard it all, seen it all, and we become skeptical or critical with age. And it begins to toxify us. And we find it difficult then to live a life of gratitude because our gratitude bucket has been leaking. It's been leaking. All the stuff that is meant to get the stuff out of our boat, the water that is weighing us down, but we can't contain it. For some of us, it's far more serious though. For some people, it's not age. They've been truly damaged. They've been damaged in life. And it goes a little bit further in the waterline. They've experienced... Well, I've got to keep it in the big bucket. (laughs) Some people are walking through life and they've been abused. They've been treated so unfairly. They've been wronged relationally. And they just can't seem to get over it. It's hard to be grateful. It's hard to come to a gathering and sing a song about rejoicing in God. It's hard... You know, and to hear a preacher say, "Rejoice in the Lord," and again I say, God, that's really hard when you're hurting. That's really hard when someone's done something terrible to you. But for all of us, we've probably all sprung some leaks in our gratitude bucket. We've been through a pandemic, and I know this: even the healthiest among us, it's it's cut low. It's cut low. You know why? The pandemic shook all of us and it cost us all. And for many of us, we didn't have a lot of reserves going into it. And it cuts you to the quick. And there are some people, you can tell when gratitude has waned in someone's life. You can tell when it's waned in your life. There's a general melancholy in us. It's not maybe a depression or a sadness, not so severe that it can be identified, but there's this general melancholy in our lives. You can tell because when you experience joyful moments or even moments of laughter, they dissipate so quickly. They don't fill your bucket. As much as you enjoyed an evening with some friends or family, the next day the bucket is empty again. You realize you've sprung some leaks along the way. Some things have happened to you. Some some things have drilled holes into your gratitude bucket. And this is where we need to remember what we've staked our lives on. We've staked our lives not on the circumstantial things that are coming at us and will come at us in 2023. We've staked our lives and anchored it to Jesus and the supernatural gift of grace that he came to die and give us life, real life, real life. But we forget it, don't we? Uh, I was I was uh, on YouTube the other day, and I was watching a speech uh, made by Dr. Cornell West, and he's a philosopher, he's a political activist, he's a theologian, and he was making a speech to Berkeley School of Theology. And uh, you know, I'm going to show you a part of it here, and just show you a couple minutes of it. Uh, my bucket just began to get filled up. This man who, who debates many things globally, involved with great minds, intellectual minds around the world. But he was born and raised in a church, a small church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he talks about what really matters in life. Let's watch
1: this. I get a chance to travel to secular circles of Chicago and New York and Paris and Berlin. And they say, Brother West, we, just don't understand how you could be so deeply into your reflections on Plato and Aristotle and Descartes and Hume and Hegel and Nietzsche and Schopenhauer and still keep talking about Jesus what's your problem well, i said let me tell you sometime Let me tell you where I come from. Let me tell you about the greatness of the people who produced a crack vessel like me. When I was baptized 62 years ago in Shiloh Baptist Church, when I went down, I went down a gangster and I emerged as a redeemed sinner with gangster proclivities and I intend to be faithful unto death. This ain't no intellectual game that we play It has to do not only with conviction, it has to do with affection. It's Not just Jesus in the abstract. It's the sweet Jesus that I sing about that I heard my mama and my daddy and Reverend C.L. West, my grandfather, the founder of Met- Metropolitan Baptist Church on the chocolate side of Tulsa, Oklahoma. T. Rose, my grandmama, Aint Tiny, Uncle Earl. They knew a sweet Jesus. I know that same sweet Jesus. It's tried and true. I'm a living witness. I'm a testimony to it. And so whatever forms of intellectual skepticism, whatever forms of intellectual critique, that's fine with me. But in the end, I know where I stand. I stand on a love that lifted me. I stand at the bottom of a cross of a blood that transformed me in such a way that I can try to love my crooked neighbor with my crooked heart, no matter how dark the situation is.
0: Now, Pastor Keith, that's a preaching voice, is it not? (laughs) I, I know it's early. I know it's the first gathering of the year. But are you a living witness of that? A living witness of it. I love what he said here near the end. He said this, whatever forms of intellectual critique, that's fine with me. He's not afraid. And we shouldn't be afraid of using our minds and engaging it in dialogue about Christ and the things of God and the realness of God and the nearness of God. Absolutely. But in the end, and I love it, it's not just a conviction, it's an affection, he said. But in the end, I know where I stand. I stand on a love that lifted me. Stand at the bottom of the cross of a blood that transformed me so I could try to love my crooked neighbor with my crooked heart, no matter how dark the situation is. See, sometimes I just need a good reminder Of the gift, the supernatural gift that I have received. You've heard Pastor Keith say it many times over the years. We're just beggars telling other beggars where we found the food. I've said this many times. All the people, all the perfect people left a long time ago. It's just you and me. Let's never get over that, friends. It's not our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness in us. It's not our good deeds. It's what Jesus has done for us. It's not what you do. It's what he did for us. That is what we have anchored our life to. We, uh, gratitude is a natural response to a supernatural gift that we have received from God. Here's the second point. Second point is this. Gratitude is best expressed in specificalities, not generalities. Oh, man, I got to tell you, it's early to say that word, specificalities. Can you say that word? Specificalities. Like, I'm dyslexic, so working that word out this morning takes more energy. Listen, I grew up in a church that sang some of the great hymns of the church. And we used to sing a hymn that was written in 1897. The first verse of which I've loved. It says this, When upon life's billows your tempest tossed, And that's language, nautical language, of waves, waves coming at you and moving your boat of life all over the place when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. When it comes to gratitude... It's something specific, not just general. There's a sense that if we're grateful for everything, we're grateful for nothing. I learned this. You know, it's amazing what you learn when you're around people for a long time. When I was in my 20s, I joined the staff here, and I've worked with Pastor Keith and alongside him for close to 20 years, Pastor Keith. You and I in different proximity, but around each other 22 years or so. I noticed something about him the first year I worked with him that I, I, I marked it because it was different. I noticed every time I ever had the privilege of speaking or leading in worship, you know what I noticed he never said? He never said, good job, great message. Because that's a typical kind of response sometimes. Pastor Keith always said something very specific. He edified something that I was doing and reinforcing it Because it was wholesome, healthy, edifying. And he also, when it came to critique, because he was my boss for many years, he was my lead pastor, he would also, it was very specific in his correction, it was edifying me, trying to make me better. I've always admired that about him. I've noticed that I've tried to copy it in my own life. It's easy to do generalities. Hey, great service. It's It takes a little more work to get specific, but it's more powerful. That was a great moment when you said this and the way you put it together, it's so much more meaningful. The more specific it is, the more powerful it is. And that's how it is with gratitude. Gratitude is best expressed like that. It becomes more meaningful the more specific it is. Here's how we do this in our life. We need to break down what gratitude really is to understand how to do gratitude. Again, Paul helps us out here in 2 Corinthians. He said, all these things are for your benefit. And he's just listed a whole bunch of things that are for your benefit when you've anchored yourself to the person of Jesus. He says, as grace increases, get the connection here, to benefit more and more people, it will cause gratitude to increase. As grace increases, it'll benefit more people, and it will cause gratitude to increase, which will result in God's glory. Ultimately, gratitude glorifies God. Our act of gratitude glorifies the person of God. But what Paul does here is he connects grace and gratitude. And it's interesting. Again, the New Testament was written in Greek originally. Grace, the Greek word for grace, is in the word gratitude, Paul's drawing a connection. He's trying to help us to see something here. He's something to see the close relationship between gratitude and grace. But like I said earlier in the message, grace becomes all too common. The psalmist said, return unto me the joy of my salvation. Why? Because we lose it so easily. Now, I was thinking about this. My, my dad and uh, I lost him last year, a few you know, just a month ago. And I thank you for your prayers, and we, you know I know I've been vocal about it. but I, I was thinking about him today because I shared with you last year on December 31st, 2021, I shared with you a little email. My dad wrote a lot. My dad would write letters, he would write emails, he'd write messages, he'd write history. He, he just was quite a prolific writer, and he, he was a businessman, but this was a passion of his. Words were a passion. He emailed. Uh, my brothers and sisters, on December 31st, 2005. And I'll just read you a part of it. He ate, emailed us this letter. He said, to my children, I thank the Lord for the privilege I have of seeing each of you in your own ways excel in spite of your investitudes. Your vestitudes. Like, again, I, I use a dictionary when I read dad's words. Of your lives. Yet often it is not in spite of but because of these ups and downs of your past, that you've grown to meet life's challenges as you have. Many times in your own strength, but in dependency on the Lord, His acknowledged presence is the joy that gives us strength, even in our worst nightmares. He said, I value each of you more than I let on. Your unique personalities have such strengths that are so often eclipsed in your eyes by a weakness that you let loom in your life. So much so that the unique strength God has given you aren't capitalized on. Recognize your giftings, kids, and utilize them, and it will give you confidence to fulfill your callings in life. I'm almost done. He says this. Do continue to set your sights on the positive, emphasizing in yourselves and others what is good, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse the highest aspiration of your lives should be to know and to do God's will, which he makes as evident as our foggy vision can see. Revel in what is at hand. If you perceive your present circumstances as difficult, can you not believe they are tailor-made for you? To shine, to grow, to stretch? And he puts in brackets, that hurts, doesn't it? You ask, how long do I have to take it? Sometimes until others see the shining is not yourself, until you've learned a lesson rather than bucking it. Seize it, kids. I bless you all, whatever you think and say and put your hands to do, may it be a blessing to others, your Father with love. You know when he sent that December 31st, 2005, guess what I did with it? Casually read it? Did I respond? Nope. What I would give to get an email like that today. What I would give for one more conversation. But it was so common to me. I didn't know how blessed I was. I, it, it was so, so normal in my life. I, I overlooked those blessings so easily. I, it wasn't until it became less available and less common that I truly began to be, I, I, I hold that, I treasure that today. I hold it with such gratitude today because I recognize the beauty of it. See, this is how gratitude works. Gratitude has to have two things present. It has to be, number one, has to be something valuable. You're not grateful if it's not valuable. It has to be something you see as being valuable. Gratitude is a response to being given a gift that is valuable. How often, though, do we just, you know, I, I don't know what your home's like, but maybe there's a meal on the table today. How often do we forget to say thank you to the hands that prepared it? Or the laundry that miraculously gets done and folded and put back. You're like, oh, how did that happen? I don't know. I just, I wore it, got dirty, and all of a sudden it's clean. We take so many great gifts that people give us in our lives for granted. May the Lord renew that, help you to stop and see that, and to be specific in your praise, in your gratitude towards others and towards God. But it's not just that it's valuable. It has to be a gift. It can't be, you can't express gratitude. You might find joy in something you bought or earned, or you might feel proud of something you earned in this life. But to express gratitude, it has to be a gift, something you have not earned. You know, uh, many of you are not in the habit every time you get paid at work to write a thank you note to your employer. (laughs) Thank you so much for the gift that you gave me. Why? It's not that you're not thankful for a job. It's It's not that you're not thankful for the compensation that might be fair in your life. It's not any of those things. But you're not, it's not really a gift. You're exchanging. You're trading favors. Uh, you did work. They give you money. It's, it's an exchange. It's not a gift. And in life, in a lot of our friendships, we've got to be careful when you're a scorekeeper because you can't be grateful for the people in your life if you're just trading gifts, trading favors. No, it's an unmerited gift. It's a great kindness. It's valuable and it's given freely. Gratitude is is an expression for the believer of what God has done in our life. It's a great grace that God has bestowed upon you. Uh, If any of you received this last night, if you didn't, our guest services team is going to have it on the way back out. On one side, it says about hope, and this is last night's message, and how it's just some anchor prompts about your hope that you have in this world and you go into 2023 with. On the other side, I call them gratitude prompts. And there are little moments that you can rehearse and remember what God has done. You see, this is what happens. You sprung some leaks throughout the pandemic and maybe throughout your life. A lot of unfair stuff may have happened to you. A lot of painful situations. The way you repair this bucket so that when life comes at you and the water starts filling your boat and you feel like you're sinking, All of a sudden, you have a gratitude bucket that you know how to bail that boat and get out of that situation. But how you do it is you rehearse the good things that God has done. You meditate on it. You repeat them. You share them with others. And when you do that, something miraculous happens. All of a sudden, you begin to just kind of cover the holes that have happened. All of a sudden, all those holes that have been filled and hurt, and the pain that has happened in life, and the things that are beyond your control, every time you practice gratitude, some of those holes just begin to get covered. And then, when you begin to face those moments, or when you receive those great gifts from God that you don't deserve and don't merit, all of a sudden, things begin to fill your life, and water begins to seep in, you're able, your bucket's able to hold it then, Oh, I forgot the one at the bottom. Let's get one more of those on there. This is an illustration that I knew could dangerously go wrong. But we'll do it here. Look. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) Gratitude is something that if it's practiced regularly and you're recognizing a, a gift you've received, a valuable gift that's been unearned, it's undeserved, it's unmerited. What happens is you build a resiliency in your life. You be, you're grateful for God's forgiveness in a way that you, you, you take for granted. You're grateful for the fresh start He gives you, the new mercy that meets you every morning a brand new compassion, a brand new mercy. You're so thankful that God always is with me. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. You're so thankful that God's love never ends. It's never dependent on your behavior. It's dependent on his behavior. And his behavior is always loving towards you. And you're grateful that God is your provider. In other words, we become resilient as we focus on what God has blessed us with and the good gifts he's given us in life. Now, if I've not convinced you that gratitude is powerful, one last truth. One last truth. We're almost done. Gratitude guards your life from becoming a darkened life. Uh, Paul is speaking to a church in Rome and he accuses some of them. He accuses them of having experienced the power and presence of God and not having gratitude for it. He says it this way. He says, For though they knew God, they knew God, anchored their life to God, they did not glorify Him as God or show, can you say it with me? Gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. There's something that happens in us, guys. When we've been blessed... And we feel entitled. When God's presence is just common. Expect it. God's blessing is just what we think we deserve. Something changes and distorts in our heart. And Paul is saying here that your mind can become darkened. That Satan can blind you. Gratitude is the guardian of the lamp of your soul. So it's not just something that fills your bucket. It's not just something. It's something that protects you. You know, I love it. And I'm talking to many parents in this room. Don't you love it when your kids thank you? Every once in a while when they're just like, hey, thanks. Because they're kids. They naturally forget. It's common that their parents serve them. It's common that the heat is on in the house. It's common they have a bed to sleep in. It's common that there's food in the fridge. Where did it all come from? It's a mystery. (laughs) But when they mature and you begin to hear, like, thanks. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks for working hard. Thanks for rolling up your sleeves. Thanks for paying the light bill on time. And you know, you don't live for that as a parent, do you? You don't live for that. But one of the things I notice about that, I know how good it is for them. I know how good it is for them to recognize that people around here are serving you, helping you. It's not like God needs our praise or worship or gratitude. He knows how good it is for you. Because when we express gratitude, we're reminded of who we're anchored to. And in the middle of a storm, you don't have to go racing to and fro looking for help. He's an ever-present help in time of need. I'm going to invite you to stand across this room. And if you're online, you don't need to stand. But we're going to pray a benediction. And then our worship team's going to lead us in a song in conclusion. Let this be the benediction and a prayer over 2023 for each of you. May your year be blessed by moments of quietness, light in your darkness, strength in your weakness. May your year be blessed with grace in your meekness, joy in your gladness, peace in your stillness. May your year be blessed with special favor. And with gratitude, everyone in the room said, Amen, which means so be it, Lord. Amen.